Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, Guy, Nick Mason, Sourceful of Secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Uh, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Control Store. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then you I might. did come up with uh, Nick Mason's all sort of secrets. You did. And in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's Is You Boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that. So join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to just before Dark Side of the Moon. goes up to 1972 with all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never heard, stuff that no one's ever heard, frankly. obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you know, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum opus. I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I never met Magnum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hello, Gary. Hello, Guy. How are you? Well, having just seen you at breakfast, you I was going to say, have you changed since anything drastic happened since breakfast? <laughs> so we are in Porto in Portugal and it's very beautiful fabulous. Porto. Yeah, it's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful old city. Yeah, I spent the whole day yesterday just wandering the the old town up and down hills, down dales, uh, and fantastic cafes and shops and really a, a different way of, of art building architecture. It reminded me of Brazil. And of course, that. Well, yeah, that's where this comes from. But yeah, and there's, um, yeah, there's something quite sort of fantastical about a lot of it, quite fabulistic. It's almost like being in a sort of Neil Gaiman sort of world or something. Um. <laughs> but yeah, but um, I, I think we're, we're almost at the end, aren't we? This is the last one of uh, our season. We're going to take a break after this, and uh, we are, and, yeah. and have a holiday, yeah, because we've been on tour for um, well, it seems like forever now. It, it has been very long, so and yeah. yes, but and it's been fantastically rewarding, but hard, very hard work keeping this going throughout. I'm very pleased well, we man- did. We've managed twelve episodes while being on the road. Yeah. Which is well, uh, pretty good. Believe for us. But anyway, this week, Serge Pizzorno. Yes. And uh, really, I have gone into this guy's work and I have to hold my hand up and say I, I have underestimated Kasabian for a long time. Um, the work is fantastic. This yeah. album in particular, now he's stepped up and become the front man. You know, we should mention that obviously there's been issues and Tom Meehan was, was fired from the band couple of years ago um, and quite big issues and uh, and and uh, Serge and, and the boys were not sure what to do for a while and have, have, and now he's taken over as lead vocalist and uh, and I think it's been the right thing to do listening to this work. Oh, it's been absolutely the right thing to do but interesting I mean because looking back seeing his how he was you know he wrote it all he was always singing on everything but uh, mm-hmm. well anyway let's save this for him let's get him on. Okay welcome to the Rock on Stairs. 
Okay, guys, I'm ready. That's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. Thank you guys for still being around, still making music, still being into it and doing this podcast. It, it's, uh, it's fabulous. So great to talk to two guys that have done this. Remember me? I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah. To get good at something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters Podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Serge. Hey, mate. Hey. How's it going? Good. Do you think we could see you? you we're not going to... We went down... Yes, of course. Yeah. Sorry, man. Was, That'd be cool. I was just... Um, just on a little phone. Let me see how far... I'm sorry, man. I'm so <laughs> bad at this. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, there we go. Yay! There it is. I don't get on well with the Zoom thing. I, I like to see people. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I apologise already. I mean, we're not started yet, but I like I like people's faces, and I get you know what I mean. This 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 Zoom thing. No, no. I heard you cool. say on another interview how you had the Zoom turned off because you didn't like it, but it's all right. We just it's just nice for communication. Yeah, no, no, it's cool. No, no, no. Uh, do you know what that was? Because my internet where I where I live, my internet's so bad, and it was just it was just kept turning off. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love what you're wearing. This is so, you know, one of the things looking at researching you, you know, looking at the pitch, what you wore at the Isle of Wight, it was fantastic. I mean, style is such a massive thing for you, isn't it, Serge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, sort of now being the front man as well, it's a heavy job, man. Like, it's heavy lift. Like, I, I was sort of, uh, you know, pipe and slippers, i sort of been saying. But once you step into that role, it, it's like, it's serious, do you know what I mean? Like it's like a, it's it's. Well, it's, it's you know, I don't know, man. It's just it's a different thing. So yeah. the kind of style thing for me, that's my playtime. It's like ah, okay, well, this is where I can have a bit of fun. You know, I mean, this is the bit I'm into where I can go right to take my mind off the gig. It's like right, need a serious outfit. This is going out <laughs> yeah. on telly. Yeah. Need to make sure everyone at home goes, what is this he's got on today? You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like a little bit of. I don't know, I suppose it's a bit of relief or a release, do you know what I mean, to just go, you know, and I think of all the great, like I, th- I always think of all the amazing shows and amazing gigs and amazing bands and, and artists out there that have just worn outfits and you just, in my mind, they're just ingrained, you know what I mean? They're just like... It, Bowie, so, always so, Bowie, right? Yeah, Prince. You, you, yeah, exactly, those two, exactly that, exactly that. And I... Well, yes, and out and totally, or Ty- Tyler the Creator yeah. at the moment. My kids and I, I agree. Tyler the Creator's clothes, unbelievable. He's for me like he's for me. He's up there as like you know, like him and Kendrick. Uh, they're they're like unique, once in a generation artists. Tyler's live show as well. Yeah, I mean everything. And what what it is with him, you know, is that detail. It's just everything is considered, and you know, I think that's. For me, so important, like when talking about style, because it can just be like throw away. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, showing off in clothes, which it is, that's for sure. But the shoelace, <laughs> every, you know what I mean, with Tyler, there's everything, you know, and, 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 and that's, I, and for me, like, that's exactly the same. And it goes down to, you know, like even the picks, the picks have to be right, you know, everything has to, you know, the sit, every, everything. Has to be fine detail considered because I, I really enjoy Absolutely. that part of it. But yeah. that goes in the songwriting, that goes in the live show, the songwriting, you know, everything. Jack White's the same. Like if you watch 
anything he does, you know, it, it, it's like that attention to detail is just well, so that's brilliant because so many people don't. Because, I mean, we, you know, because Gary and I are on tour together and we front this band, so, again, which is something that's new for us, even though the drummer is really the, the guy who sells the tickets. But um, but it's that same thing of, of, getting, yeah, yeah. of having to sort of dress up and express yourself a bit. I mean, I did a post on... Facebook a while ago saying I'm just so bored of going to see bands who look like they've come to, to fix your boiler or do your vat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the thing, but then again, that is like, it's, that's cool. If that's your thing and, and that's who you are, I'm into that as well. Like, you know, like, cause you could say that about Nirvana, you said that Kurt, you know, he just, which weirdly now is the, everyone wants to look like that, but he was just going in thrift stores or whatever. Yeah, but that changed the world. He, wants, he changed the world. But that, even that, that, Cause that was such a statement. Yes, yeah. totally. Exactly, and he was reacting against, you know, the sort of the hair bands and, and, and all that. But 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 even so, like you know, he knew, like he knew what yeah, yeah, exactly. He knew what he knew those massive yeah. t-shirts, and and it is that thing of like you're right. It's that thing of you can see when someone's forgot, and, and it's like come on, like this isn't you know, show me something, show what you know. But I, I want to be amazed. You know, I want to I want to be sort of I want I want my mind to be blown. You know, and I think that's David Burns an interesting one because he. Yeah dressed like he wanted to, you know, he, he dressed like he saw people in the street going to work on Wall Street. And it's like, that's quite an interesting move. Yeah, that's interesting because that that, there's an element of commentary in that. And I do get a feeling yeah. with you that obviously there's complete theatre in what you do. And at times, I'm never quite sure whether you're having me on or not. You know, there's that sense <laughs> of humour. You mentioned Viv Stanshaw oh, yeah, in one yeah. of your interviews. You know, that bon yeah. Bonzo Dog yeah. Doodah band. That, that, that element of performance, art, which is kind of what you, especially in Kasabian, have always tried to achieve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the fun element as well, because it's that, you know, what you do really is ridiculous. Re I mean, it's ridiculous. So, it, so, it, so it, it's, it's sort of accepting that, but then also using that as a kind of, I mean, sometimes probably you would kind of use it as a, it's a good defense mechanism, you know, where you can go, oh, I was only messing around and you know what I mean? But, but I do think, I don't know, to laugh and, and to have, you know, just, just pure fun and jokes with, with the band and with your fans. Well, I think like a great so example important. would be the video for um, You're in Love with a Psycho. It's fantastic. And you've got Stephen Graham yes. in it. But that's also because I remember someone yes, playing yes, that to me who wasn't even necessarily interested in music. They're saying you've got to see this video; it's so great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's funny. That's the funny title. That that was one of them like beauty nuggets where I'm sure, like you know, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When it's like nine times out of ten, a song is torture, isn't it? You know, like it's like oh, <laughs> you might get might be lucky and get a little chorus or a little intro or something and. And for 20 minutes is the best day of your, you know, of your life because you go, I've got it. And then it's like, ah, I can't get it. And this, it's good. I know this riff's good, but it's just, yeah. this is going nowhere. And then eventually you get there. With that song, I had the title. And it made, you know, it sort of made me laugh. I thought, well, this is quite interesting. And then it, 10 minutes later, it just wrote itself. And it's mm -hmm. those days. Yeah. That's the reason yeah, yeah, yeah. why. They're the days that, you know, you know think, that, that one day in 10 years. I think what I was talking about is there's always been a sense of postmodernism about Kasabian and about your work in that you, 
You know, in the old days, I talk about the 80s and the 70s, there was a real sense of tribalism. Mm. You played this music and you stayed in that world, you know. You didn't confuse people. Mm. You were a rock act, you were a dance act, you punk, whatever, indie. But there's a sense with what you guys do. Coming late to the game, I guess, in, you know, starting in the, in the 2000s, when there was much more access to archive and everything on the internet growing, which mm -hmm. there wasn't for me and guys starting out. That, that mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of like sticking different elements of music together, different performances together. That's that's kind of what I was talking about, about the theatre of what Kasabian do. Mm. Yeah, 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 that's spot on. That's, 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 that's a perfect observation, because my first musical instrument was um, an Akai sampler. And Which is amazing. That's, that's, that's so fantastic. My first musical instrument yeah. was a sampler. I mean, that's... Fantastic. Yeah, I know that's I know, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that, but that means you, yeah. you start yeah, yeah, yeah. with the global yeah. view, which is I have to learn how to how to use everything. <laughs> definitely, definitely, and 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 then everything everything is sort of up in the air in in terms of an influence. So you know, with the decks I had, like I had my parents' record collection, sisters, and then I had my own because they were the records in the house. So I would. You know, I'd mix sort of Sergeant Peppers in with a, with a sort of rave track, and you know, I would never, never could quite get it. There's the kind of first moment, and then wanting to sort of try and make it yourself, you know. But but looking back now, thinking about it, that definitely, you know, I don't think I've moved on much from there, trying to sort of, you know, you know, blend Sergeant Peppers with a sort of, you know, with a rave tune. I think that's kind of pretty <laughs> much just the line. Your yardstick sort of... for your, your yardstick <laughs> for your entire <laughs> career is. <laughs> Serge, Serge, I connected with with elements of this, though, because, you know, growing up as as I, I was into prog in the beginning, I was into punk in the middle 70s. And then I was into mm. soul music and, and dance. And part of what I was doing in Spandau Ballet was mixing dance and rock at the, and mm, yeah. putting all those influences together. And it seems to me that, you know, you coming out of all the influences of hip hop and jungle and then suddenly crashing into the whole Oasis scene that was happening in 95. But you had mm. the skill to bring all those art forms into the, into the mix, into, onto the decks. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it, that's it, that's it. Um, and synthesizers. And I think it, it, uh, which is another, you know, that that's that's the sort of um, that's the nerd part of my personality comes through there. Is the is the anything with anything that's got wood on the side? Um, I'm, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean. Where did that start? <laughs> I, I th it was kind of like late nineties. The Warp label. I was kind of obsessed with anything that came from that. So, you know, like Boards of Canada and and. Um, an Aphex Twin and all Tetra. So I, I, that, that I kind of got into all that. And then sort of trying to, because it was a lot harder to get information about where, how things were made and what synths they were using. Like it was kind of, you know, it, it was a real sort of, it, it was impossible. Now, you know, you, you only need to sort of look up and there's lists of equipment that's used on stuff and it's the access to that stuff is, is great. But back then it was like, I don't even know what they were using, how they were doing it. So you pretty much had to, you know, dig deep or kind of, you know, get a computer and try and just mess around and work out, you know, how, how they were doing it. But when, when they sort of figured out that like a couple of the simps they were using and then 
the kind of prog thing of sort of the can. I was obsessed with can as well. Sort of late, oh, late oh, night. Late guy, night. Guy, yeah. Gary's been on a big can. I haven't gone yeah. around. We're, 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 I mean, oh. Gary's much deeper in the night. I haven't really gone there yet. But yeah. Can. Yeah. I mean, they rocked it. To- totally invented Baggy way, way before Baggy ever started. I mean, that That's drummer, horrible. that drummer. Uh, honestly. Oh, it, live it, live it, at it's... Manchester is unbelievable. It, it is so the the way they keep the groove because obviously you know there's no there's no click there's no there's, they're just that's just a band but the groove is it's it's frightening and then to capture that on on tape as well because they record so well as well it's not like you know it's 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 mind bending that they they were just yeah. so, you know and and now that still sounds as fresh you know now than vitamin- you play that to any kids yeah vitamin C vitamin- yeah C. yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so, so go on. We sorry we stopped you on your flow of, of discovery. Yeah, no, no. That, so that's kind of that was the that was the you know. Then I just sort of look at vid- take um, photos and then just see try and work out what what synths they were using. And then it was just a matter of going on eBay. And, but you could get them really cheaply then. They're, they're, it's insanely expensive now. But but back then you could sort of pick up mad uh, synths. And then a few like. Um, well, you're talking about like the 70s ones, the old. The 70s ones, like the Pro One and the 2600, yeah, yeah. and, you know, and then it, that, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a friend who recently soldered, sorry, so, oh. like the JV. Um, turn eight went for the Roland, which was the absolute cheapest, really workhorse synth that everyone had in the eighties, and he just sold yeah. one for like ten grand. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you, honestly, you could get away those those horrible sounds that. I mean, it's a bit like the shell suit when 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 everyone went, nah, no one's ever going to wear them again. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> and it's like everyone's in shell Reebok shell suits now, thinking, how did they no, no. come back? But, it, but it's the same with those everything. Those, Keep everything. <laughs> everything. Those like, like eighty cents with the cheapest sounds, and you, and you're like, I remember hearing them going, oh, nah, there's no way. But then now it's like you hear on most records now they've got that sound. And was was rave your punk or? or I mean, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. That what was about it. That the guitar? The, so that was no, no. It's a great question because it's like that. That was the kind of right. I wanted, I want to get into music, and I, and I, I'd sort of you know met, found a, like you said, a tribe, and I was just, I was just, I was into the like with the rave scene. It was like that, that the gathering and and the fact that it was it was all underground, so you couldn't go to the records. You know, H and B didn't sell it. There was a store in Leicester that that. that that, you know, I, I used to get my, my dad to get the flyers, do you know what I mean? Because they wouldn't give it underage kids, do you know what I mean? So my, my mum was like, what are these bits of paper? I'm getting, I'd like a bedroom full of flyers and stuff. But, but I think that was the, the thing that sparked this, like, I want I, music and making music and, and um, you know, and, and the means to make it. If you had a computer, you could do it all yourself. You didn't have to go to the studio. And, and so that was all, all amazing. But then... I was a sort of perfect age for for the for the rise of, you know, I don't really like calling it Britpop because because I, I had Jarvis Cocker recently like he won't use the word Brit you know what I mean he sort of offends him so much because he was like oh we were more than that but 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 it was that thing of seeing Oasis and seeing you know like lads that were into football that played guitars and it and it just hit on me and all my friends because we were. Leicester boys, you know what I mean? Like we it was, it's all that sort of. We were the perfect kind of like we were just there, right mm. for that kind of world. And and then then once I got a guitar and learned a few 
few tracks, Oasis tracks. Then, then I was, then it was like, oh, there's all this, the Beatles and the Doors and Jimi Hendrix and the Who, and and I just went. That was the next phase of like obsession. It, it, that was an extraordinary moment. We had we were talking to Noel. Noel's been on the show, and we know Noel quite well. But it was that moment when they did Nebworth. And it happened so soon in their career. This is what's mm, extraordinary. Yeah. You, this is a cultural moment of mostly white lads, right? Who, who, mm. who's, who, where, where that band was in the audience just like a, a year before. And now they're on mm -hmm. stage. They're not skilled musicians. They're writing euphoric songs. And we're mm -hmm. all, it's that easy. Was there, where, where, you know, where punk was like, oh, it's that easy for, for me to form a band. Mm -hmm. But only play the marquee for your generation mm -hmm. it was like oh it's easy yes. to play a stadium <laughs> you know what that's 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 spot on because i you know when people sort of talk about that the confidence where did it come from or you know why why you know it, it's that generation that like you said it was you don't aim for like we didn't we when we got signed we didn't aim for oh we want to make a record and you know, we want, we're so happy to be here. We were like, we want to play Wembley Stadium. We want to play it on the, you know, we'll, that's by the third record. If we're not there, we've not done what we should be set out to do, you know. And I think about it now, it's mad, complete madness, you know. I, I, I had that, you know, because it's just, you just, you know, you're, you're sort of blessed to be just able to make tunes and, you know, but, but back then it was like, no, nah, no, nah, like, like, you know, surely this is about getting to play do our version of Nebworth, you know? And that's a, a great thing, because it was the belief that in these dirty little rehearsal rooms with carpet on the wall, and we was, it, it was always like imagining how big we could, we could get it and, and how quick and fast we could get there. Do you know what I mean? And what, but was that your first sh shot? I mean, was, Kasabian was like the, the first bunch of mates you got together with, wasn't it? Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, but I think, that that's kind of yeah the, the, the sort of beginning of of um, you know how how it all sort of came to be. But how, how did you find? Where did you meet uh, Tom and Christopher? And and were you just all mates first or, or just just mates at school? Yeah, 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 yeah. All mates at school and you know into the into the same things as you say, like you know. Yeah. Uh, was it like uh, were you all playing instruments or was it decided? Okay, we're going to be a band. You're playing bass. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. It was where you could right. afford whatever you could afford. You know. If you could if you could afford a bass, then that's what you played. And I I was because I was wanting to. I loved writing songs. Songwriting was my thing. That was like the thing I'd fallen in love with from the age of like twelve. Even though I didn't know it then, just making beats and and trying to you know play people. I'd record stuff on tape and show it them. And I didn't even realise. But so I was like, obviously, I, I'll do the Noel Gallagher thing. You know, I'll be Pete. Well, it's more, I guess if you started with a sampler. Then you kind of you've you've basically started as a producer from the world go, really, haven't you? No, that's ex exactly. I think that was a, I think that's one of the advantages that we had because that's how I always knew. That's how I'd always made because I started there by making music on myself in a bedroom, and that's not that changed. That's, that's exactly how it is now. The bedrooms, you know, probably a bit. It's a studio now, but it's the same thing essentially. The advantage we had over everyone else starting from that same point was that Oasis were great, but the Prodigy and the Chemical Brothers were as as important. And, you know, the whole, the whole hip hop scene 
with how they made and got music together. So it was like, well, okay, what's great about Britpop Oasis is getting people together and having that euphoric music. But then what's great about having your own, having a computer and making it all yourself is you can, you don't have to sit in a, a room, rehearse, get everyone up to speed. You're going to sound like a band, which is great. And if the songs are good, then you're cool. But if you want to come at it from a different angle, then, you know, what does it sound like if DJ Muggs or Dr. Dre produced the Rolling Stones yeah, or, yeah. you know, yeah. or The Who? It's you know, like, I'd love- that's, the, that's the thing we have. I want to talk to you about about that trade-off that you must have to make as a songwriter, producer who puts down beats and then you have a drummer in the band. But we'll talk, to, talk about that when we get to the new album, uh, mm-hmm. which is absolutely brilliant, by the way. And I, oh, Guy and I you, both, think, both think it's your best work. Um, oh, man, but, thank you so much. But, but was, um, was there a frustration with you? Because I think, you know, you kind of got underrated, I'd say even by me, right? And I'm being honest here, because of the lumping yeah. in with... with, with with Oasis, but your music had much, much more depth. You know, God love Noel and Liam, but but had much more depth as musically than anything Oasis were doing. In fact, the only thing you probably had in common was was that sort of euphoric swagger on stage. Did mm, it frustrate yeah. you? It's always been an interesting one that because I it, it's almost like you, you sort of you can't really do anything about it, and I figured that out pretty quickly. The critics were. Once they assign you to, you know, that that's what you are, it's really difficult ever to change. Like it's, it's really difficult to kind of just, it, I don't know, it just, it just, it takes a long time to, for people to sort of, you know, you have to release a lot of music and do a lot of crazy things. But even then, when we did mad stuff and, and left field stuff, we'd, it'd still get boiled down to lad rock. And you just, I, it would amaze me. And it, but then again, it would also, kind of give us like I don't know like to be written off and to be sort of underestimated I think keeps you creatively as an artist it gives you that little bit of edge that I think is pretty important because you know you can get comfortable and if everyone understands like part of being a songwriter and part of being in a band is you kind of no one understands you so you kind of you know what I mean when you're first in a kid and you want to be in a band it's like fuck everyone man this is just us and no one gets us and we don't give a shit about what anyone thinks and what anyone says and this is our thing. So if that carries on, sometimes, you know, that's probably not a bad thing because it does keep you hungry and it does keep you in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. studio. Thank God, they still don't understand. No, but yeah. because the thing is, because you did, you did have that swagger on that brilliant stadium sort of certainty that Oasis and everyone had, but, but there are, do you think your, your audience, never mind the critics, your audience were picking on the fact that you're always clearly unlike them, very, very self-aware and kind of had all sorts of wit and irony going on within your stuff. So sure, your audience must have been getting that rather than just the kind of... Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And I think it's also kept the, the, the relationship like with our fans and stuff, it's been, in, it's been beautiful because, you know, it's like being into something that, say, everyone doesn't get. That's also a nice thing. I, I like that myself, you know, it's like, if you like a director, a certain director, like Pasolini or something, people die, oh, you can say, and they go, oh, I'm not sure, oh, that's terrible, or, or you know, I don't even understand what he's doing, or Jodorowsky or whatever. But then you go, well, I love him. And if you don't understand it, then you don't know it. You know what I mean? You sort of get that with the fans where they go, well, you, don't, you can't hear it, you know? 
Yeah, it's also a nice way of uh, very sort of subtly letting us know that you're seriously up on your art house directors. Oh, that that was, did you get that one? (laughs) But actually, actually, a few little things I've written down going, right, if I get these things, I'm going to be clever. Oh, it's all part of a bet. (laughs) But I get get that, especially on your your solo album, the cinematic stuff going on, you know, the the Morricone vibe that's in there. I mean, there's elements of John Barry on the new album that you can hear, obviously. And and it did occur to me, that the way you talk about your records that's conceptually if you Serge have a kind of cinema version of your life that goes on permanently in your head that you're trying to soundtrack is is that is that yeah, possible yeah I think that is because like I'm I, I I struggle with sort of like I'm, I'm really I'm dyslexic so I, I'm struggle with sort of words sometimes so like, many songwriters so think, are so many so, songwriters are yeah so okay. visual I think visually for me imagery is is so powerful and it's how I remember things. It's how I kind of find some grounding in it all. So I think it relates to that, why cinema and film uh, and, and how the music always makes you, it's always very visual and, and the words are always very visual as well. Not so much kind of like really direct sentiment. Whereas I'll try, I'll find things more in kind of, sort of imagery, imagery and, and like how it hits you emotionally, how it makes you feel rather than exactly what it's saying. I mean, so I think that the cinema is really important. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Funny, okay, on a slightly more prosaic but cinema-related thing, what's interesting is, is the fact that, because I have a very dear old friend, Gary Knows, who's always spoke, spoken very highly of you, who, who's Stephen McLaughlin. Yeah. Oh, right, yes. And who is mainly known, who mainly works in cinema as an engineer mm-hmm. and producer. In fact, I got in touch with him, I said, listen, because he's, he's always gone about how great you are. And I, I sent him a message saying... We're, we're talking to you. Could you? Yeah. I'd love to get a quote off you. Unfortunately, he's laid up in bed with COVID. Yes. <laughs> no. So. No. He's not good. He, so but he's, no, he's an engineer. I just wonder if the fact that he he's, an, yeah. he's he's engineered and mixed for you, but the fact that he's used to doing music for picture, you know, that's right. That, yeah. If anyway, yeah. feeds your cinematic, you know, yearning. We did. Um, we did a. a I, I scored um, a film called London Boulevard, and that's where I met Steve. Right. He was kind of. He was. The, the studio, they needed a sort of 
as they put it, they needed a grown up. I mean, they didn't tell me this, but then I figured out that's what that's what they call people like that. But they are. Oh, they needs a grown up, someone in the room that's done it before and knows exactly how to get these things, you know, because it's quite a big process that you know scoring a film. Yeah, but that's where I met Steve. And uh, but that again, but I, I love that so much, and it felt so natural to just just be sat in front of a picture and go right, you know, how, what we need some music. But I did my <laughs> thinking back, I, I did I didn't really know what I was doing. So it was way weirder than it than it should have been. <laughs> the, the score is bizarre, but I don't really know what I was doing. I, I met uh, I met Steve because he was the engineer for Michael Kamen who did the soundtrack for the Craze movie. That's that I did. That's right, yeah, yeah. This is something that this made me think about some, something that I wanted to ask you, which is um you began as a band in a world that was not as simple as as mine you know we made we made records for vinyl mostly and mm-hmm. we'd also make videos you you're in a place where people where streaming has already begun where cds you can have 20 30 tracks on a cd there's no sense of focus mm-hmm. on a, about an album in the same way there was but you've also got to promote it in a million different ways you know there's this mm-hmm. this idea of you know, music for games music for tv for adverts is it, that seems to me like really difficult to focus on where the energy of a record is when you've got mm-hmm. you've got to promote it in all those different ways yeah 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 in a way i think for good or for bad I, I still, I'm a still real, real true believer in an album as an art form, as in, you know, uh, in the in the ones that that I grew up listening to, and, the, and in that classic format, you know, like a OK Computer or a Peppers yeah. or, or you know, you know the ones that, that, yeah, that yeah, you know, yeah. like that that we, that we all know and love. So I, I still approach the record making process in in that way. Do you inside no, one? Every time, yeah. I've got white. I've got like a, it's a, it's. I've got a whiteboard that's just constant, like you know, one of those kind of, you know, the things that. So I'm just constantly, and and it. That's more important, you know. A lot of the time, I think it also helps you. Gives you a sort of like, so it gives you a box to make everything fit. Because if you've got it, this, could be anything. Then I, I don't know what I'd, I'd rather just go down. In fact, you called it. You called one of your albums the time of it, 48 minutes, 48, which was, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Telling people yes. that's what you got to listen to, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but so you I do, think, yeah, because you do follow that thing of the album as statement, don't you? Is that you make a point? You do that lovely thing of it's like the band growth. Every album has to have moved on to somewhere else from the last one. Exactly, exactly. And and it's you know I don't really think about algorithms and I don't think about uh, you know how it's going to stream or what's this going to be like. Which is probably crazy because I think you know, it, 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 the format, everything about music, as I see it, is completely new and changed. So, so maybe down the line, you know, I, I may think about things differently. But I don't know. It's almost like going to see a, I don't know. It's almost like I see it like going to see a sculpture or something, or going to see a painting, or going or having an NFT. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I still. For me, like the album is like, ah, oh, you go, you know, you go to the gallery, and you're in awe of this thing that you're stood in front of, and I feel like that's the album still for me, you know, having it on your phone and flicking through it and not really just it's great mm-hmm. and it, you know, but I, but I, but I, it's a different thing for me. It's a different thing because the artwork's always been important for you too, isn't it? Yeah, it's always been. It's it's, it's like having the language that that like like you know 
that period of time where that album was made, you know, like the font or a symbol or, a, a, you know, you, you'll know exactly where the band were at that point. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's mm -hmm. like a, it, it's like a, you know, it, it, it's a world that, that well, was created. That that everything record. was significant. Every piece of text was significant, you know, who am I? Absolutely. Where am I, you know. Absolutely. And you would, you know, you would, that was a big thing about what studio it was recorded. And cause, cause you didn't know, cause we didn't really know anything about you, that were the only little bits of information you could get hold of knowing about a band while it's now, you know, why the album's being made, you can get videos of them in the studio you having, you know, a deliver room. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't but know. Does that annoy you? I mean, and it infuriates me. The thing is that you can find every bit of information about an album, mm. but none of it is with the album. When you go and look no, at it on, no, exactly, on yeah. Spotify no, no, no. Or, or on Apple no, Music totally. or wherever, there's nothing there. No. It drives no. me crazy. No. Yeah. No, tell so, me. Serge, uh, you know, your story, I mean, it is, it is like a film. And, um, I mean, it has, obviously, there's a tragic element to your success, uh, uh, you know, recently. But it is mm -hmm. this boy, you know, who starts off co-writing with a friend as the sort of sideman in the band, in a way, visually, who, who ends up becoming the main songwriter, the producer, and eventually, through circumstance, the singer. I mean, it's, it's a star is born yeah. completely. Um, that first initial bit, though, when Christopher Karloff left the band and you then had to take on that role yourself as a solo songwriter, I mean, now, I guess, it's tough for you to write songs with anyone else, isn't it, other than on your own? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's that... scary for you? No, I mean, do you know what? That I suppose, because those tunes were, you know, that first record, like, I wrote all the songs in terms of the acoustic, the melody, the lyric, so I knew exactly what was going on there. Um, you know, Chris offered the sort of, the more sort of landscapey, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that, that kind of world. But in terms of, you know, so. the bare bones of getting us, you know, waking up in the morning and going, right, we need a tune, you know, that started when I was sort of 15 and, and, and that's, that started when the band's, you know, the inception of the band is like, you know, like LSF, right. you know, that's a guitar. And that's just, you know, waking up one morning going, one of those beautiful moments, that was one of those songs where it just wrote itself. So it never, so it was just, it was just a matter of, I don't know, the, just the yeah, it's natural. single vision. To, yeah, exactly. The, 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 uh, it's natural. And also the single vision of going, right, problem solving, what needs to happen? Right, this is what needs to happen. Well, let's just get it done then. Do you know what I mean? Don't overthink it. The band, the course of this band is not being moved or no, nothing's going to get in the way of where we're going to get to. So however we get there, you just figure it out. And so from early on, that's always been the case. So, you know, moving to become the singer, because these words, these lyrics, are, they're ingrained in my soul, you know, like because I, I penned every single one of them and I know where I was and where my head was with it. I think that's why it was always the decision that, you know, if we were going to carry on rather than getting someone else to sing, it's just like, well, it, that would be fine, but no one's going to connect with them like I can because they're from that beating heart, you know, and the pain and the joy that comes from within. So on stage, whatever you feel about the, the show, one thing's for sure, you'll know I mean it. <laughs> you'll know 
you know, yeah. you know it's like that when that Townsend, that. it's like when Townsend sings Who songs. It's kind of mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 exactly. exactly. It's exactly that. I mean, but you you you've sung on al- every album, I think. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, mm, and yeah. and uh, you know, songs like I love the way you your your say British Legion on Empire. That reminds mm-hmm. me of like mm-hmm. when Ronnie Lane did Debris on Not As yeah. Good As A Wing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah definitely, but how definitely. how do you how did you know, you know, or how did you say to Tom, this one's for me, not for you, mate. Um. Usually it was the sort of more delicate ones and the and the, and the softer ones, and it, it was kind of it sort of made sense, you know. It was like, oh, that that you know that that'll I'd come in with that one, and it's like, you know what, that sounds great. Let's just leave it as it is, rather than than replace the vocal. But uh, when it comes to being the front man, stepping out and doing that, especially as we talked about theatre, and um, that's the fact that sometimes you lose your greatest prop, which is the guitar. How does that mm-hmm. feel? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again. It's, also, it's your guitar again, really interests me, by the way, because it's like a it's like a Rickenbacker four double oh one bass, but it's a guitar. Yes, yeah, the side fret. Yes, yeah, a beauty yeah. four eight one. I think they're called. Yeah, yeah. That that was a that was a great find. You need a signature guitar, and it's like right. I think you know, and this it's hard to find one now, you know, because everyone's used whatever. But that's a that's a beauty. I think. I mean, again, it's a bit like you know we thought. We thought it was all we could, you know, it could be all over, and it was the most horrendous time of our lives, heartbreaking. Um, but it came from, you know, necessity of just going. Well, we've got to get up there and do it. So, with that in mind, you know, you get your parachute on and you jump out of the plane, and you know, hopefully, someone's packed a parachute. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's how I started with just. I, I decided no to just sort of no um no inhibitions and i didn't want to just go on stage and just feel it like like in a way in which i i'm in a studio and i'm usually i'll have a beat going or a loop going i'll just leave the mic on and record just to see what the what's the first thing that comes out it's usually pretty good and then the longer it goes on it gets worse but <laughs> so it's just like and, and it's like so i thought that's how i'm going to attack the front man it's like just feel every beat feel every note and whatever that does to my body, whatever that does, just go with that vibe. And also connect the crowds, like, as in just be an extension of that energy that's being thrown at you. It's like suck that energy in and then spit it out, as, you know. And I think that was the, that was the, that was the vibe. I, 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 and that's when I, I put the guitar down and it's a lot of fun, you know, it's nice and I mm-hmm. love, I feel like I'm really just getting started where I can get to the point where I, you know, I'm, I can hold a stage and... Well, and, there are big and, stages. You, know. you went straight to big stages, haven't you? No. Yeah, Nebworth was, Nebworth was interesting. <laughs> I mean, it was like the second... I think that was the second outdoor show. And I was like, Jesus, man, if we get through this and I can, you know, then, then anything else after that will be pretty, pretty, pretty good. Well, my son actually posted a clip of you at Isle of Wight on Instagram. It was loving mm. that much. So there you go. Oh, that's amazing. That, Thank uh, you. <laughs> it's a bit of a coincidence because uh, at breakfast this morning, John Giddings walks in. We're in Portugal, by the way. We're in Porto. And John oh, Giddings run, runs the Isle of Wight, right? So, yeah, yeah. And he's our agent and he's come over. And, he, uh, and so and the first thing I said, we've got Serge on. He said, oh, tell him it was fantastic at the Isle of Wight. He did uh, an amazing uh, no, job. That's, but, that's beautiful. But, but Serge, you know, 
when um when all the stuff went down with Tom and you obviously you made the the choice to get rid of him and I'm sure 100% there were other issues that went that the the the, the news didn't know about that, that that you know that you you know maybe this was the the thing that 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 finally broke it for you but that collapse of your not just of a band but potentially of your legacy you know not getting played on the radio maybe you know mm -hmm. i mean that i mean to to come out of that with such strong creativity that you've just achieved is extraordinary did you go into the studio to heal yourself or did you go in with the ambition of making a kasabian record um yeah i think both i think i think both for sure, because I probably all know that like music can be such a therapeutic thing, and it, and it's a way of dealing. Especially I've used it to deal with a lot of my a lot of my issues and a lot of of, of just you know I I don't know where I'd be without it. So it was like getting the studio is a sanctuary and try and make sense of of it all try and make a, a beautiful Kasabian album and, you know, in a sort of turn a shit situation into, into a beautiful one, you know, in a way. Was there a moment? And so, was yeah, there, that was the plan. Was there a moment when you went, I'm not giving up on this? Do you remember that moment? I think, yes. We sat down with Ian and Chris and I, the, thought of, the thought of it ending like that and the story ending there, just, we just couldn't let it happen, you know, and... The, it's one of those things, bands and the, you know, it's it runs deep. And but for for the respect of everyone, you know, we, we've we've um, we've kept it in house, you know. But in terms of us moving forward, we looked at each other and said, "There's no way we we can we can let it we can let it end like that. We have to we have to just there has to be another chapter or, or another there has to be a part you know another part to this whole story. And and from it, from then on, then let's see what happens, you know." let's see where this takes us and then then it's you know after a while and the music's starting to sound good it gets it gets exciting again and it's been hard it's been really hard but it must know. be brilliant to know that you're in charge of your narrative again do you know what i mean that, that, like, yeah you you you've yeah. taken hold of the story and you're moving the story along not events absolutely absolutely because you know it's like it's your life's work and like you, you, you guys know better than anyone that that, you know, you've created this thing and it, and it literally could, to see it like go up in flames and mm -hmm. just be like, oh, I don't know, what now? What, <laughs> you know, um, was, I can't even tell you. But then, you know, slowly but surely playing these shows and, and you know, making this record, it, it, it's starting to feel great again. And not only that, it's starting to feel really exciting because the reaction's been phenomenal and have really true you know this is us just getting started was there a sense of freedom in knowing that you were writing for yourself though now that, that you, there was there was there was not another person in the room that you had to that had to be the medium between you and the audience i think this album you know i think this is the next phase of because each album has been a reaction to the last so i, I think the course in terms of the creativity and the way the albums, the music's gone, that was always going to, it's always going to go where it's, where, where it's got to. I think there's a speed within the studio and there's a, there's a, 
I can react a lot quicker to situations where I can just experiment with range of vocal. I can, you know, and, and in different character, you know, get in front of the mic and, you know, I can physically change my body and the way I'm singing and things like that are really exciting, which I, which are really hard to kind of get across when someone else is singing your words. That, but yeah, know, I guess coming back to Gareth's point, does, are you aware of that when you're writing, thinking that it's now me that's conveying it? I think so. I mean, I'm not, I don't feel, maybe subconsciously, I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing anything that differently in terms of the way I'm recording or, or writing. But, but definitely now I can sort of see the sense of, all right, this, this uh, you know, where I'm, when I'm going to perform this song, you know, I can see the whole stage show and I can see the whole performance, you know, which, which is something that I couldn't before, which I think is a, which is a massive sort of, which makes things really interesting. As I love, as live. I think that, that thing you said earlier about changing characters within a song, that really comes across on this record. It's always been in your music. If you look at something like Fire, you know, that had, that starts like a Doors track, then it goes into kind of like a disco thing, then it has an acid house moment, you know, and, and, the, and yeah. the vocal, and, 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 and your voice sometimes can be screaming through a megaphone and then suddenly go sweet with, 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 with harmonies, which mm-hmm. makes me think, actually, there's, you are closer to prog music than you know. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm, Yeah, we wanted I'm to get to that. Yes. Yes, Especially, no, no, there's I'm one there. track on the I'm new there. album. It's uh, two, it's it's got two different titles on the two different versions. T U E or yeah, T U V. The, the Ultra View effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which it's has pure prog. That that is pure prog. Pu- well, there, gonna, there's there's some chords. Off. There's some chords which are quite redolent of a thing we play every night, actually, which is Atom Heart Mother. It's quite, which is beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, that tune. That's the real centerpiece of the album. Ah, oh, it's um, an incredible piece. It, I think it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it, and it's really exciting. I, I think like. You know, because it's got that almost like mamas and papas like harmonies at the start, and then it goes into kind of like a sort of, you know, the warp or tetra kid A kind of middle section, and then out into it's sort of Floyd, and then he sort of scoops on that like uh, sort of late seventies like Italian cinema bit as well. So, so I think you that's, do, I'm you... glad you like that. A lot of your songwriting is you, you write a song kind of like people would write. A, it's more like a suite. Then, isn't it? We're going to be here. They're going to take you here. They're going to take you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarantino. I mean, like, I always, I always. He's a massive influence because, like, the way how he slips through each genre. Like in Kill Bill, each the, each character in that is is its own subgenre of a, of a film. So, you know, I, I thought that was. I, I always thought that was a really clever way of making something familiar, but then but then making something super modern and like like a real clever twist because I love the 60s but the idea of making a song that was sounds like the 60s I don't know it feels a bit like one of those reenactment things where you go you know you dress up as like <laughs> civil you know, war like, <laughs> civil war thing you know what I mean it's like I don't not not no not into that but but the idea of making like you know a 60s song using the technology we have now and, and the mindset like you know what would Tyler the creators sound like if you made produce the monkeys or something it's like yeah now, now we're starting to get somewhere now we're getting somewhere but, quite but like on, on um 
scripture that's on the new album you know there's a kind mm. of there's a kind of mashup sort of that goes between sort of chili peppers and king crimson you know and <laughs> yes, but, but i always yes. get the feeling that with your songs you're in a room and you're and you go oh just see what's in this door and you open this door and a chorus comes out you open this door and a middle eight comes out you know but it, it, <laughs> yeah you you yeah. you you are, i think you're really this is why i kind of get upset when you get pushed into that lad rock oasis thing because you are mm. doing stuff that is really in the same way that Kendrick does, you know, and, and um, you know, pushing the boundaries of where music can go and should go. But at the same time, hitting all the euphoric uh, hooks that you need to find mm. in a record to make it to make it exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's not that's, a question. That's just praise, right? No, yeah, no, thank you. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's so answer that, sir. You know what, I really, I just appreciate, appreciate that so much because you know, that's that been the mission from the start. What about comedy? What about Noel? How does this ha happen in your life? Where does it all sort of fit in? It was the Isle of Wight. It was in maybe 2008, maybe. And um, yeah, we just, he was there and we just got, just instantly just gravitated and got on. Stayed sorry, 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 sorry. Can I just say, when I said comedy and Noel, I didn't mean Gallagher. I, I meant Fielding, right? You meant Fielding, <laughs> right? Yeah, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. No, Just no, we met, yes, so, so we met, yeah, we met Isla White and, yeah, stayed up for a few days together just talking madness and we're into the similar stuff. And I've always been a massive, massive comedy fan. Stand-up, man, is the respect I have for a stand-up, especially even more so Thank now. Thank you. I've done it for 15 years. Uh, and even more so now, you know. I have respect, way more respect for singers now and frontmen than I ever have done as well. But, but stand-up, man, like... Just you there on a on a on a with a mic delivering and not relying on past. That's the thing with it with it with yeah. with music and stuff. It's like oh you know it's not going very well. Play, you know play a few they know it's going to be fine. Whereas comedy it's like you've had your year at that set. Right, give us something new. And if we've if you told that joke before, no one's laughing. It's like oh. That's horrendous. Well, what's funny, when I started doing it, Serge, is that after years and years of people just going, oh, you're a musician, oh, you're so lucky to do something you love. Oh, how great to do something you love. Oh, you're doing something you love. Oh, how brilliant you do something you love. And you go, I do stand-up. You're so brave! You're so brave! <laughs> it's like, well, it's still the same self-serving, insecure thing. Yeah. I haven't become a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. You're right. No, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, but, but, I, but, I, but I do buzz off with him. But that little marriage, <laughs> that little marriage you have with, with, with Noel, that kind of makes us, that's the bit that I was talking about earlier about the postmodern thing. It makes us kind of think, you know, is there a tongue in Serge's cheek at times, you know? Yes, massively. Yeah. I think, like, it's born in us to be, you know, piss takers, isn't it? I mean, coming from this, this land, you know, you can't yeah, take saying, things it's, it's too an, seriously. It's an English thing. Americans it, have trouble with it often, yeah. They, yeah, they do. And like, you know, if you can't, you have to see everything. You have to see that angle. You know, you have to see the ridiculous. You have to see it. Or, or and with, with you know, when, when we know, when we hang, it's just, it's just laugh, laugh, laugh. Like that, it is like therapy, man. You know, you get those, you just like in this little thing together where you're just laughing, dying, you know. We've just, got two of his paintings. By the way, he did a whole. Oh man, you know what? Well, they're, they're brilliant. They're absolutely he's mad. He's like, you know, and I think he's a. Honestly, like I know, I'm always going to say this, but I, 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 I don't think there's anyone out there, like, 
as good at what he's doing now. Like he's he's getting into that mastery level. And I think if he wasn't known for for what he's known, I, I think he'd be, you know, way bigger. Like like taken you know as seriously as as, as the greats because he's 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 unbelievable and he's just constantly working and mm. constantly trying to get better, which is yeah. you know massive. So what's next? You're out on tour with this. Yeah, so we've got Benicassim on Sunday, and then oh, uh, that's right, my son's going to be there. In fact, he probably is Instagramming again. Yes, yes, <laughs> tell him to come and see us. Tell him to come out, come and see us, man. Are you playing? Are you playing? Are you going on tour in the UK? Do that with the album? Yeah, we're doing so October, November. We've got a uh, got a tour in the UK. Um, yeah, and then that's it. Yeah. Oh uh, well, listen, we're in the states in October touring it with Nick. Uh, Mason, but yeah. I hope that I get to see you when we come back in November. I'm hoping same, you're playing London. Because, yes, uh, definitely. I, I, mate, we're so impressed with the way this has turned out for you and your ability. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having us, man. I really enjoyed this, man. It's been great. All right, Serge, thank you Have so much. Week. Perfect. Take care, boys. Thank you. Just, thank best. you so much. Cheers. See you soon. Cheers. See ya. Bye bye. Well, that was really, really good. Great, incisive questions, Gary. That was really nice. It was obviously stuff that he was very happy to talk about. Well, yeah, I was sort of, I was a bit worried at, uh, a couple of times. I thought, that's not really a question. You just made a statement. But I mean, as long as I could push it along a bit. In the, uh, but I, I, I was thinking, I think he's so impressive as a, as a writer So now. impressive, yeah. And, uh, and, urge, yeah, and urge, his journey's been brilliant. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Urge people to go out and, uh, and check out the new Sabian album, which I think is out August the 5th, someone tells me. Uh, thank well you done. to Ben, our producer. Yeah, and th- thank you to everyone for listening. This is the end of the season. We're going to have a, 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 what we think, well-deserved holiday. We are. Um, we'll hopefully be back sometime in September. Uh, indeed, yeah, but back to school with the Rock on Tours. And it's good night from me. And it's good night from everyone. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.